We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast it's a monday morning edition of the pack a day podcast presented by the blue wire podcast network it's a victory monday still in a sense i guess even though the packers did get their 24 to 16 win over the carolina panthers on Saturday, but we're back to the work week, and it's a holiday week, so good to be with you on this Monday. I'm Alex Strofe. You can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. And the APA back together, baby, alongside my great friends Perry Goldstein and Andy Herman. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Hey, Alex. You're chipper for a Monday. <laughs> of course I am, because, you know, it's a Packers win despite, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit, but not the prettiest of victories, but... A win is a win is a win, and we'll take it this late in the NFL season. So uh, definitely a lot to get into, but but happy to be back with you guys. We missed you a couple weeks back, Perry. So uh, first time in a month, the APA back at it. It's been way too long. Way too long, as always. So let's dive into some of this Sunday NFL action, guys, if you don't mind. Um, 
And I really emphasize the fact that a win's a win's a win because those don't come easy this late in the NFL season. The Packers' search for the number one seed in the NFC got a little bit easier as the MVP opponent against Aaron Rodgers, really the other frontrunner in Patrick Mahomes, helped the Packers out with a 32-29 win over the Saints, who are now 10-4 and and a game back of the Packers. The Packers in sole possession once again of that one seed as they were last week, but uh, definitely helps out with a Saints loss, Andy. Yeah, it really does. And I think overall, when you kind of look at what happened through the NFL on Sunday, I think a lot of things came into focus, right? So of course you had the the Saints lose, you had the Rams lose to the Jets. Um, So that really makes uh, the playoff seedings a little bit simpler for Green Bay, which we'll go over into in just a moment. But I think it really kind of put Saturday into a little bit, you know, better light as well. When you look at it this way, the Packers were the only team that won by more than seven points in the NFC playoff race on, you know, on wow. Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, etc. You look, the, the Seahawks barely beat the Washington footballers. Uh, the Rams <laughs> lost to the Jets, who had yet to win a game. The Bucks had to come massively from behind against the Falcons and barely beat the Falcons. Um, the Cardinals were tied with the Eagles late and end up winning by a touchdown. And, and I think it just goes to show that, again, winning in this league is hard. And of course, the, the Saints lose to the, the Chiefs as well, which is certainly understandable. It's the Chiefs, but still winning is hard. And if you look at all the NFC teams that are expected to be playoff teams, uh, you know, on Sunday, they, they lost or or had really difficult times, barely won. So um, I I just think when you look at it, these types of games, whether it's a eight point win against a bad Carolina Panthers team, you know what? It's a lot better than a loss to the jets and you take your wins when you can get them. Absolutely. And uh, you talk about the tough wins. We talk a lot about Every week, the the top contenders in the NFC and the NFL as a whole. The Rams were one of those teams that was really sticking out as maybe the uh, you know toughest contender in the NFC uh, to Green Bay. And the Jets somehow got their first win of the season on Sunday, likely out of the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes there, as they now don't have the first pick as the Jags, uh, thanks to strength of schedule, will take that. So we go to beautiful New York, New York, Perry. What the heck happened? That's such a good question. You know, I really (laughs) thought that the Rams were contenders, and they can be, right? It's any given Sunday. Sometimes you have a bad game. You hope to not have a bad game and give the worst team in the NFL their first win on the season in the same day. Uh, I, I... only caught a bit of it on on red zone and it just felt like the Rams offense really stalled out very early and they allowed the Jets very unlike the the Rams defense to kind of allow a bad team to score quite easily and they got up and the Rams just couldn't keep up with with the lead that they gave the Jets over the course of the week or of the course of the game which is kind of the opposite of what we saw with the Packers right get up early offense stalls out the defense can keep you in it was very quite the opposite where uh the defense just gave away the game and the offense couldn't score enough points to to overcome a a, i think 20 to 3 lead that the jets had and and give it to the jets too only the jets could find a way to have the biggest loss of the season during their only win of the season like that is just such classic jets like that all they had to do was just lose the game to the rams lose a game to the patriot like just get out of the season get the number one pick and get a potentially generational quarterback in trevor lawrence and of course of course of course they found a way to screw it up so in a win the in my opinion they suffered literally the biggest loss of the nfl season so far yeah and you you know i think they're all competitors right so no one ever wants to go into the season losing but at the same time there's just 
just something to be said. And I, I feel like I say this a lot with like certain franchises, like there's some teams that just have that like winning mentality that they're able to sort of overcome down years or whatever. And then there's some teams that just continuously shoot themselves in the foot and can't overcome whatever a 40 year slump. And it's just very jets of them to just like let go of what could potentially be a completely franchise changing draft pick for a win in the regular season. The Jets going to Jets, and we saw if you watched any college football before the Packers game on Saturday. I mean, we saw just how darn good that guy is. And, you know, Minshew Mania might have to be over, but we'll see. But let me ask you this last thing on the Jets, guys. Adam Gase, not the head coach next year, right? No, he's 100% gone. No like, way. I mean, yeah, there's, he's, he's gone, gone. But, you know, to Perry's point, you know, good on the Jets for, for still trying to play. Like, the players, the coaches, everyone, you know, everyone in the NFL is proud, and they're going to try to win anytime they get an opportunity to step on a football field, as they should. But, like, it's it just, again, it, it's so classic New York Jets. And, and in most situations, like, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, you know, Baker went one, Josh Allen went later, Lamar Jackson went even later. Like, the difference between the three three is is probably minimal you probably want Josh Allen or, or, or maybe Lamar Jackson to the three right now so you know just because you have the number one pick and are going to draft a quarterback it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the right guy Tim Couch went one overall I mean Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning the, the, the teams didn't know who was going to go number one for the longest period of time like teams screw this stuff up all the time so it's not to say in most cases that you know just get your you know get your wins in and, and see what happens but Trevor Lawrence by all accounts it seems to be a degree of difference here. And this probably is going to be an Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning type of pick where if you hit on him like you're supposed to, he might just be good enough to be basically a playoff ticket every single year. And if you're the Jets, that's a, I mean, that just doesn't happen. So to, to win a game, a completely meaningless game in on December 20th uh, and lose out on that potential, again, is just so classic New York Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Let's run over some other scores from Sunday, guys. Just hop in, stop me if you want to comment on any of these. The Buccaneers down 17 in the third quarter. Make a comeback and get a win over the Atlanta Falcons, 31-27. to They're now 9-5 and on the year. How about Mike McCarthy putting up 41 points at home against the 49ers to get a 41-33 to win? Both teams now 5-9. and on the season the titans who the packers of course are looking forward to next week they put up 46 of their own against the detroit lions who are now officially eliminated from any playoff contention contention 46 to 25 again the final from tennessee that one and then we'll get more into the titans here in a little bit as andy mentioned the seahawks just snuck it out against the football team 20 to 15 the final there seattle 10 and 4 on the year now and in the nfc north the bears 33 27 a victory for the bears who are now an even keel 500 at seven and seven and any takeaways from sunday for you andy you know no necessary you know not necessarily any takeaways other than again it, it's tough to win in the nfl and take your oh, wins yeah. where you can get them but i think you know a couple things that are interesting to me at least the, the bears could legitimately have a real good, you know, a real chance at the playoffs yeah. in week 17 when they play the Packers, which, you know, I don't think anybody expected, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. Um, now that's a, a game where they would need to win. They would need a car the Cardinals to lose one of their remaining games. But if they went out, the, the Bears have the Jaguars next week. That should be an easy win for the Bears, you would think. 
And then uh, then they are very much in the conversation for a potential playoff spot in week 17. So uh, that won't necessarily maybe be the, the cakewalk that a lot of people maybe thought it would, especially if the Bears were eliminated. There were already talks about Ryan Pace and, um, you know, and Matt Nagy getting fired. And, and now all of that's potentially on halt because they're still alive in the playoff race. And the other you brought up, Mike McCarthy, there's still that sliver of a chance because the NFC East <laughs> is still so terrible that the Dallas Cowboys still could get that number four seed, which if they somehow pulled up off an upset in the first round and if Green Bay got that first round by, you could be looking at Mike McCarthy versus Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, which, first of all, that'd be amazing uh, for a variety of reasons. But two, right. just how crazy would that would, you know, would that be? That would be nuts, and, and, you know, I guess it's any given Sunday, but that might be as easy of a cakewalk in the second round of a playoffs ever. But uh, enough with the hypotheticals. Perry, your big takeaways from NFL Sunday are what? Yeah, I think it's just because I always look at things in terms of, you know, the Packers, and it's very easy to get sort of tunnel vision and laser focus on some of the Packers flaws or things that didn't go so great. And I know we're going to get into sort of the breakdown of the game, but after watching some teams, you know, it. I think that the Packers are actually a lot more consistent than fans might typically, you know, feel like they are especially with a game that was a little bit wonky on Saturday night like they really do feel like the best team in the league next to the Saints and they do feel like this is kind of like their year to to give away almost and while no team is perfect and it's very easy to pick out the flaws of every team and look at you know a Rams team that just lost to the Jets for example you know you you kind of have to feel good about where the Packers are, what their strengths are, who they have left in the season, and sort of what the playoff picture looks like for them. I just think that they're they're really set up to succeed right now. Um, and again, I think we'll get into this, but I think the mentality of you know that dog, like this is ours and we're not going to give it away. You know, we're going to own this bone, if you will. It's there, and um, I'm excited for the end of the season and the playoffs. I like the analogy, Perry. That was Thank that was you. good. Um, <laughs> Andy. You know, she said it. They're set up pretty darn good. The Packers are indeed with only two weeks remaining in the regular season. Essentially, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, they win one of their last two remaining games. The road runs through Green Bay. That's correct, right? Uh, almost, almost, almost. So a couple things. There, there's a bunch of different scenarios that could happen, but there's three logical scenarios that gets Green Bay number one seed. So the first is basically the, the simplest, simplest way. Just beat the Bears in week 17 and you get the number one seed in the bye. So uh, that's the simplest way to achieve the number one seed is just beat the Bears. They can lose to the Titans. That doesn't matter. Whatever any other team does doesn't matter. If they beat the Bears in week 17 in Chicago, they will have the number one seed and a first-round bye, and the playoffs will run through Green Bay. The second way is if Green Bay beats Tennessee in week 16 – and the Rams beat the Seahawks in week 16, then Green Bay would also get the number one seed. So again, Packers beat Titans and Rams beat Seahawks. Then Green Bay could actually clinch uh, a the the bye and, and the number one seed next week and week 17 against the Bears would not matter. Um, the only other kind of convoluted one, uh, slightly convoluted, Green Bay beats Tennessee in week 16. Um, and then San Francisco beats Seattle in week 17. That would also get it done. So that would assume that the Seahawks beat the Rams in week 16. And then the, the, the Packers would need a 49ers win against Seattle in week 17, which is certainly less likely, uh, but definitely still possible. So those are the three likely ways. There's a, a bunch of other ways where if a, if like three teams are, are tied at 11 and five, uh, which would 
you know, make the, the Packers lose their last two games and things like that. There's certainly some of those scenarios out there, but the very, very simplest is, is just beat Chicago in week 17 and you get that first round by. I like the sound of that. Yeah. I mean, that, if you would have said to anyone, you beat the Bears in week 17 and you get a first round by the only by and the number one overall seed in the, the playoffs run through Green Bay. I think anyone in the world, you know, any Packer fan in the world would have signed up for that. 100%. I'm all in. It's looking good for Green Bay. So let's uh, let's hope they can keep getting those wins uh, as we enter the final two weeks of the regular season. But before we look ahead, we might as well recap what the heck happened on Saturday night as the Packers played host to the Carolina Panthers. Again, the final score in that one, 24 to 16. The Packers only three points in the second half. Um, so I guess let's start with this one and we'll move to the defense in a second. Perry, we'll start with you. Uh, I'll just ask it very simply and plainly. What happened to the offense in the second half? Why did they only score three points? Well, they punted a five times in a row, I think. <laughs> they went yep. three and out. You know, I think that it's it's hard to say, right? Like, they were so on fire in the first half. I think Andy and I actually talked about this before the game. It's like the only way that the Panthers are going to stay in this is if their defense came in with a really good plan. And I think that there's two things that I noticed. One being that the run game in the beginning was really predicated on the tandem of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and it was working very well. And then Jamal Williams goes out, and you can't just sort of plug and play A.J. Dillon in there. Different different guys, I guess. I don't know why they didn't try, but they didn't. And so Aaron Jones was doing good things, but it's much easier to only stop Aaron Jones in the run game. And the second was... I thought that this pass game just wasn't doing what it normally does well, which is like really push the ball down the field. They were doing these kind of like bubble screens and and weird, you know, to the sticks and hoping Devontae Adams could just like make a guy, ta- you know, miss a tackle. And Jeremy Chin was not letting that happen. And the Panthers defense was making really good tackles and not allowing the Packers to get extra yardage. And they were causing three and outs. And I think I just have to give credit to a Panthers defense that I really, really underestimated. Uh, tw- I think they were 27th in the league in DVOA going into this, into this game. And they came with the right plan to stop this Packers offense and there weren't many adjustments that I saw in the second half to to stop you know to to mitigate what was happening um and on top of that right the offensive line played as poorly I think as they have all season um you know they were just getting beat basically by Brian Burns and that front um and so when you can't keep Aaron Rodgers upright when he can't drop back to pass this offense isn't going to run. And so I think a combination of those things just led it to completely stall out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that Perry hit on there that are very, very correct. And, you know, the, after the game, Matt LaFleur, any coach will come out and say, you know what, first of all, credit to the other team. And sometimes it's just coach speak and sometimes it's legitimate. I really feel like Carolina played their best defensive game of the season. And I do think you have to start by tipping your cap to them because they were physical. They were aggressive. They played kind of a three-three-five, kind of a college blend of defense. And it worked really, really well. Matt LaFleur mentioned they played a lot of soft coverage, really kept everything in front of them. Um, which, you know, what you want to do in those situations is kind of take advantage of some of those, you know, those bubble screens and things like that and, and make sure that you can, you know, kind of just keep the chains moving and things like that. But they were so aggressive and 
how the Packers kind of, you know, play in a lot of situations is they've got solutions for anything that a defense can give it. So a lot of that is, you know, run pass options. And we saw a lot of it yesterday or on Saturday, I should say, where, you know, they had the opportunity to either hand the ball to Jones or kind of get it out on one of those quick, you know, passes to Devontae Adams. And what you started to see was they were playing off on Devontae Adams, you know, really kind of setting them up, but they were kind of anticipating that it was going to go to Adams. They kind of knew where it was going to go. And you saw a couple different plays where it, it almost felt like they were baiting Green Bay into some of those throws and then attacked it very, very aggressively and then made physical tackles. They've got three really, really talented defenders in Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, and Derek Brown, who are going to be uh, even better as they start maturing into, you know, their third, fourth, fifth seasons in the next few years. Um, I, I just thought that all three of them played really strong football games. Um, I think Corey Lindsley not being in this lineup, you're starting to see the effects of that, you know, just everything where, you know, Billy Turner's got to play guard, which means that Rick Wagner's got to play tackle. Wagner struggled with Burns, even, you know, Bakhtiari struggled with Burns a little bit, but, uh, you know, just everything was kind of a step down because of some of the the moves that you have to make uh, because Corey Lindsley isn't out there and he's such a, a really good player. And then, you know, you lose some of those matchups with not having, you know, with Derek Brown in the center because Corey Lindsley's not in there. So I think all of that played a part. And I think just in the second half, I, I think Green Bay just got a little bit too predictable as well. Sure. We didn't see as much, you know, of the the jet motions. We didn't see the two running back sets because, again, Jamal Williams was hurt um, and they kind of went away from that. You know, we didn't see much of the the boot action, you know, that they've been so successful with throughout the course of this season. It, it was just really, really interesting that, you know, they, they kind of went with some of their stuff that they've been doing all year. The, the Panthers had an answer to it. And then Green Bay didn't really have a good way to counter, which I think is somewhat concerning. But I do think you have to start by tipping your cap to Carolina and just, you know, kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit and start finding more solutions when teams start taking away some of that stuff. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. I think it gets overlooked. Carolina's no wash of a football team. They started off solid. That defense, again, and, and I, I'm also guilty of this. I also overlooked that defense, but they do have some ballers. Uh, on that side of the ball, and they came to play against Green Bay there on Saturday night. Uh, I want to flip to Green Bay's defense, though, guys, and I'll pose it. I'll go with yes to this question. Did the defense finally win a game for Green Bay? Andy, we'll start with you. 
I think they did. I really like this game for the defense, and especially even as I rewatched it. There's a couple plays, like the first drive, where Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't you know, hit his receiver wide open to convert a third down, and it ends up being a third and out. There's a couple plays where it was poor execution by the Panthers, uh, but I thought Green Bay played pretty well. I thought Adrian Amos had a really nice game. I thought Jair played his normal solid brand of football. Uh, Darnell Savage got his hands up and knocked away a pass on one play. Lowry batted down a pass. You know, you saw much more pressure. I thought you saw the, the Packers rally into the football a bit more um, you know they had I think it was three sacks on the day so I thought this was it was their most consistent performance of the season and any time where you can hold an opposing NFL offense to, to 16 points or less is a huge win and, and the story of this game was the red zone, both on offense and defense. Green Bay only had three opportunities in the red zone on offense. They made the most of it, and they scored 21 points on it, all three touchdowns. The Panthers had five opportunities in the red zone. So if you, if you get, obviously, I'm simple math here. I'm not you know telling anything that you guys don't know already, that anyone doesn't already, but five trips to the red zone should at minimum be 15 points if you're getting three field goals on each of those drives. Green Bay held them to 16 points on those five drives, which was the, the field goals and then you know one drive where they had the the fumble by Chris Barnes and then uh, another one where they actually allowed a touchdown. So basically one point um, over that Mendoza line, which uh, again, to me was, was really the difference in this game. I mean, you look, if, if the red zone defense isn't up to snuff and you give what, you know, 31, 35 points in those five drives, you know, this is over. Carolina wins this game easily. And on offense, if you get nine points instead of 21, Carolina probably wins this game easily. So the difference to me was the red zone. And I thought the red zone defense really stepped up big, specifically with Chris Barnes and that forced fumble. Yeah, that was a huge momentum changing play. I, I, I was kind of in disbelief when that happened. I was like, did, did, did that, did we just do that? You know, I think that this game reminded me a lot of last season's game, the, the first game against the Vikings, where the Packers got up really early, the offense kind of stalled and the defense came out and said, Hey, it's okay. You scored 21 points. We got this from here. Um, and they just kept the lead and they, they didn't allow the Panthers to come back from it. And, and it was, it was to the point where I actually was watching it and I wasn't even that worried that the Panthers offense was ever going to outscore the Packers. Now, of course you want the offense to reciprocate and it's definitely tough having the defense on the field as much as they were. You could tell by the end of the game that they were just gassed. Um, and that's not what you want. You want them to give them some time. But I, I think that I guess my biggest takeaway aside from everything Andy hit on, which I think is spot on, is just that the defense has been like somewhat of a liability this season where you just expect that the Packers need to score 30 plus points every single game. And so before the playoffs to see the Packers defense come in and just play like a really solid four quarters, which we haven't seen yet this season, just a full complete game you know, and like Andy said, keep them to 16 points. It, it actually makes me feel better going into the playoffs than, you know, if it was just the typical game of the Packers needing to score, you know, a lot and the defense just holds the other team to a little bit less than what the Packers have scored. You know, they, they really actually won this game for them um, by being really physical, attacking the ball, you know, not letting Teddy, you know, get, get into a rhythm, you know, le they let him run a little bit, but you know, that was, I think, because Chris Barnes went down and just keep this game in it for for the offense when they had a, a little bit of a struggle moment. So I was actually like almost pleased, not pleased with the way this went, but it gave me a little bit more confidence about the way the Packers can win in different ways going into yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, that's well said. And just to, just to highlight some of those disappointing, maybe second half offensive performances this year 
they scored zero points in the second half against the Buccaneers back in week six, only three points against the Colts a couple weeks back. Both of those games were losses, only three points against the Panthers in the second half this week, but a win is the different uh, part in comparison to those other two. So, yeah, I, I think the defense did step up, keep them in them, but you don't like to see them on the field as much as they were on Saturday, but a win is a win, as I'll keep saying all throughout today's episode. Uh, let's go here, guys. There's probably a fair amount of them, but maybe your biggest concern exiting Saturday's win over Carolina. We'll send it to Perry first this time around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have a big one. Like, sure. I really still feel like this team is set up to succeed. And I, I think it was easy to be reactionary in this game and be like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this offense isn't running what is happening? Why are we stalling out? But then again, you look on the flip side and you say, okay, it's okay because our defense did this. And now do I think our defense is reliable to do this always? Potentially not. Like would I like to see this be the way that we play against, let's say the chiefs. And if we make it to the super bowl, no, I don't think that's necessarily a women, a winning formula against a more established team, but I, I'm not, I don't feel any differently about this team than I did in the past weeks coming out of this game um, except that I just hope that there's this is the trajectory that they're on defense and special teams wise. And this was just a, a sort of a bit of a blip for the offense, which based off past history, I think it probably will be. Yeah, and for me, Alex, you kind of hit on it just a minute ago uh, about talking about some of these, you know, second halves, whether it be Tampa, Indianapolis, Carolina, etc., if you go back now looking at the Matt LaFleur era, you know, the very first game against Chicago, they scored, what, 10 points the entire game, which isn't certainly indicative of what the Packers are in total. That was their very first game in the system. But they score 11 points in the Chargers in a loss where they just couldn't find their rhythm or any sort of consistency whatsoever. They score eight points against the 49ers in week 12. Same exact thing. You know, they score, you know, they ended up scoring 20 against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, but couldn't find any rhythm in that first half and just were completely lost once again. And by the time they kind of got going, the game was over. In Tampa Bay, they scored 10 points, couldn't get anything going in the second half to try to get back in the game. Minnesota had its lulls. Um, you go Indianapolis, three points in the second half. Jacksonville had its lulls. Carolina, three points in the second half. There's, there's enough meat on this bone now where you see this offense lose itself and take a really long time to either figure it out, like to, to readjust or ju they just never do. And I think there's enough of a concern there now because it's happened so often to say, is there an issue with some of the adjustments? And, and this may seem a little bit hyperbolic when you're talking about an offense that's been so incredibly good throughout the course of the season and is, you know, Rogers has been great. Jones has been great. Adams has been great. You've got all these amazing players and they're putting up a ton of points. They're setting records almost weekly. So it seems a bit crazy to say I have concern over the offense, which in total I don't, but you do see these really bizarre stretches of plays where it's like, they they look like they can't get some of the simplest stuff done. I mean, five punts in a row, which I think four of them were either three and outs or four and outs. Um, it, it just, it's crazy to think that an offense that has all this talent and has been so successful can go through stretches like that. And of all the talk about the defense and the special teams and things like that, that's what ultimately would get you beat in, a, in, a, in another playoff sort of scenario. If your offense goes to sleep for a half and can't figure a defense out, that's going to get you beat. So um, that's, that's my one 
concern coming out of this game is, you know, they, they still had a great stretch where they put up 21 points. They were able to put a field goal drive together late that really helped seal that game and get a double digit lead. I think the offense did enough. And listen, scoring 24 points isn't necessarily a given in any given week, but those big stretches where they just can't do anything and counter what the defense is giving them. I do have some level of concern because of how much we've seen it over the last two years now. Yeah, and only two remaining regular season games, as we keep mentioning, Andy. This is cause for legitimate concern as the playoffs are are very closely looming, right? Yeah, it is. And again, I expect Green Bay's offense to get back on track and figure yeah, things out. You know, no no question about it. But um, what you what you're looking for is you know eliminating factors, right? Like what what could cause the the Green Bay Packers. To, to get eliminated at some point. You obviously want to try to avoid as many of those as possible and eliminate some of those concerns along the way. That's what that's ultimately what the regular season is for as you're hopefully stacking up wins. It's trying to continue to get better and eliminate some of those ways that you could, you know, get eliminated from the playoffs. And I, I think this is just one of those things that you got to kind of keep in the back of your mind. If the offense continue, you know, ha- has one of those droughts where they can't figure out a defense, it, it has to be a concern just because again, if this is, we're not talking about this being like the the third or fourth time even that this has happened to Green Bay. Like it has happened enough where you have to at least have some level of concern that, all right, we've seen it enough times that this could happen again at some point. 100%. And as we like to do on, on this show, we like to match our optimism with pessimism. We like to play a little good cop, bad pop. Bad cop, excuse me. We like to do a little yin to our yang. So we're going to play a little trending up and trending down. We each picked a player that's trending up and a player that is trending down. So, uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Player trending up for you. Yeah, I get the low-hanging fruit this week, and it, it's just got to be Chris Barnes. Yeah. You know, he had the aggressive tackle on the screenplay that went for a loss. I think he ended up with six tackles in the game. He has the massive Dikembe Mutombo rejection at the at the goal line, which results in the Kevin King fumble recovery. I mean, that's a massive swing in the game. I just thought he was all over the place. I thought at the beginning of the season he played much more instinctual football and was kind of, you know, reacting to plays. And then there was a stretch where he was really just thinking out there and diagnosing and not making those reactions reactionary plays and then he he of course goes out with the injury comes back um, still looked a little bit slow to kind of respond and then this week he gets the green dot he gets that starter spot they move him into a much more significant role in the middle of the defense and prior to going out with the eye injury he you know he just came up aces in the middle of the field I'm really excited to watch him on the all 22 tape to see how things looked uh, for Chris Barnes as a whole but I mean at first glance this is exactly what Green Bay needs in the middle of the defense and you know I don't want to get you know too high and say like this is the future of the Packers inside linebacker because it's it's probably not there yet but uh, this was a really strong step in the right direction for Chris Barnes 100% Perry trending up yeah I was just going to say that I I think with Chris Barnes like you could really feel the difference when he was out and like the coverage in the middle of the field when he wasn't there Um, my trending up is I think also a little bit of a cop out but it's been happening over the last I want to say since like the 49ers game I've just been noticing that Adrian Amos has been playing just a little bit harder, a little bit faster, a little bit more aggressive than we saw in the first half of the season. I think he's a guy that, especially like last season, you know, he's always in the right place at the right time, makes the right plays, but is never super flashy and super splashy on the stat sheet. But he's like really been, I think, just all over the place for the secondary, you know, and especially Saturday night he had – seven tackles, three pass breakups, a sack, you know, he was just everywhere. And I think that I, and I, and I think it might be a little bit of like, they're moving 
you know, Darnell Savage into more of that sort of robber. Um, I like to call it the, the honey badger role, which is fitting him more. And therefore they're letting Adrian Amos do the things that he's very good at. And he's just been absolutely lights out. I love the way he's playing. I love the stability that he brings. Um, I think he was just like, uh, such an underrated signing from Chicago. Uh, it's the best that he came from Chicago, but I just really like uh, I, the way that I think about him is just very trustworthy, right? Like you always know that he's going to be in the right place at the right time. He's going to cover it the way that he should. Um, and he's really got that like football IQ. He really sees the field well. Um, and I think that his ability to do that is now showing up on the stat line, unlike it did last season. Yeah, Perry, I was just looking at it. I was looking at my grades for Amos. It was week seven against Houston, where for me, it really started to to turn around. He had a really big game uh, on grades on, on week seven against Houston um, and then really kind of continued that trend and then had another huge week this week and really has just been playing solid football since then. So uh, I'm right there with you on Amos. Yeah, and I don't want us to forget that there was a little bit of a swap there when Amos was signed to Green Bay. The Bears signed HaHa Clinton Dix. I think it worked out a little bit better with the Packers signing Adrian Amos. But you mentioned Savage briefly, Perry. Uh, six tackles, one tackle for loss, and one pass defense for him as well. So both of those guys at the safety position have been playing really well, it seems, uh, the last month, month and a half, or two months or so. I'm going to go a, a different direction with my trending up. I'm going to go with the punter, J.K. Scott. Now, we've had a ton of slander around J.K. Scott, it seems, on the Bird app the last month or so. It's not necessarily a good thing when he's trending up because I don't think you ever want your punter on the field. But when he was on Saturday, he was pretty solid. Three of his punts landed within the Carolina 15. And when that offense was not showing up, we mentioned five straight punts at one point in that game in the third quarter, three drives, a three and out, a three and out, a first down penalty on Carolina and a different drive followed by a three and out. So a bunch of punts for J.K. Scott. He came up pretty solid, and the best note of all, he didn't miss any tackles on Saturday. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, he did have one, you know, poor punt, but uh, outside of that, and probably the one that went to the one-yard line probably should have bounced into the end zone. Instead, they fielded it and brought it out to the 20. But overall, this was a, a better game and hopefully uh, a trend in the right direction for J.K. A trend in the right direction, we hope. But again, we, we hope he's not on the field as often as he was. On Saturday. All right, let's flip the script. Let's go pessimism. Andy, let's go with trending down for you. Yeah, so I have been defending Kevin King, you know, for basically the last, I don't know, month or so. And it's interesting because it's it's not like I'm a huge Kevin King guy. I've not, I, I, I'm not, I haven't been, um, but I do think that he you know, d definitely doesn't always get the credit that he deserves. I think sometimes it's just really difficult to play corner in the NFL. A quarterback's going to complete what, like 30 passes a game in a lot of games and Jair Alexander's not going to allow a lot of those. So there's going to be a lot completed against Kevin King, uh, Chandon Sullivan, some of the safeties, linebackers, etc. just because um, that, that's the way the NFL is set up right now. It's a passing league and you're going to allow some completions. But that being said, I, I thought he had a really, really tough week this week. Um, you know, he had a couple plays where he completely whiffed on a tackle. There was one play where there was a comple uh, completion down the sideline. You know, Darnell Savage comes up to make the hit, and Kevin King literally just watches him struggle with the, the wide receiver for about a good five yards and never goes over to help to try to make the tackle. He allows an easy in-breaker. Um, he had a really tough, you know, personal foul penalty that was uh, lowering the helmet, which I'm not going to hold too much 
much against them, but he did have a really bad holding penalty, which gave up an automatic first down. He allowed the, the completion down the sideline to DJ Moore. And just the, the the more that you watch the game, the the more that you you know just realize that this was this was a pretty darn tough game by Kevin King. He did have the fumble recovery, which, if we're being fair, is probably a little bit more right place, right time than it is him actually making this spectacular play. Um, he had a couple nice stops in the running game as well, and and looked like he maybe had forced that one fumble. Uh, but overall, I thought this was a really, really tough game for Kevin King. And uh, it's not what you want. You know, nobody's asking King at this point to be a, you know, shutdown number one corner. But yeah, I think it's fair to expect him to try to be a, a good number two corner. And I think there's been times this season where he's been that. But when you add up the injuries and you add up the inconsistent plays, the consistent struggle with in-breaking routes, I just think he's trending down at the moment and is a player that I think Green Bay is going to have to take a long look at replacing this offseason, whether it be via a very limited amount of money in free agency or via the draft. You say they should take a long look at maybe replacing him. Let me get your prediction, you know, standing at December 21st before we even get to week 16 in the NFL. Is Kevin King a Packer next year? It's really interesting, and I think this could go in a million different directions. The really weird thing is that this version of Kevin King is about the only version of Kevin King that ends up back in Green Bay. If he has a brutal season or if he's injured the entire year, something like that, Green Bay probably cuts ties and just says, you know what, we, we're we done with Kevin King. It's just not working out. We're going to go in a different direction. If he has an amazing season, no way Green Bay can afford him and some team's right. going to pay him like a number one corner. So like this specific season where he's been up and down, a little bit injured, but has still played the majority of the games, like he may have hit the sweet spot of like Green Bay can't Ooh. afford anyone else in the free agent market and maybe they get a slight discount from Kevin King, like a hometown discount, and maybe they have just enough to make it work on kind of a a cheaper, you know, prove it type deal, which would be much more expensive than a normal cheap prove it deal because he's still a starting corner. So I think there's a real world uh, where this could still happen, where he comes back, especially when you consider, I don't know how high they are in Kadar Hallman. I'm not, you know, they're obviously not high on Josh Jackson. He's been a healthy scratch now two times in the last three weeks. You know, Shannon Sullivan certainly had his fair share of struggles as well. So they don't necessarily have any other, you know, corners on the roster that are ready to step up unless unless they feel amazing about KB Anento when he comes back from injury. Uh, I don't see that happening. So I do think there's a world where Kevin King could get brought back, but th- there's there's still plenty of bends in this road before the season's done and offseason starts. Mayor Perry, want your thoughts on, on Kevin King as well as you're trending down. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Andy. I think that he was always such a question mark going into the season, just given what we've seen from him the last few years, how inconsistent he is, you know, his injury history and also just the cornerback market in general. It's super expensive and we don't have a ton of cap space this season. We need to resign a few, maybe others um, on top of David Bakhtiari. Then we've got Jair on the horizon and Devante on the horizon. You know, it's not just about this season. Also, it's about looking ahead and who we have to extend because let's be honest, we're not getting rid of either of those guys. So it's it's can we get another guy in there? And I think there's also something to be said for we've seen kind of a cornerback carousel in Green Bay. And, and this is the most consistent that it's been in the last couple of years. So, like, do you want to mess with that? It's just a very fine line to walk. So it'll be interesting to see what what the front office does. But my trending down is also in the secondary. Uh, I think it's interesting because the secondary is like half of it is so rock solid right now. And the other half is so inconsistent. And I think in that inconsistent bunk, it goes to Shannon Sullivan. And 
for a team that plays as much nickel and as much dime as the Green Bay Packers do, like your slot corner, if you will, like needs to be just as good as your boundary corners like Jair and Kevin. And Chandon just isn't that. And I think that they had really high expectations for him. They obviously didn't bring back Tremont Williams, sad, uh, because they felt like he could you know, rise to the occasion and, and he has shown flashes and then he is also really, really bad. I mean, missed tackles, bad angles, just whiffing on coverages. And it's, it's another thing where I wonder with what Andy just said was, are we going to bring Kevin King back? Are we going to have to draft or find someone who can fill this role? Because I just don't know if Kevin, or sorry, if Chandon Sullivan is, is at the level of play that you know this secondary the rest of the secondary is and and it's kind of a a thing to me where the weakest link back there is how bad this team will play you know what I mean and so if if you're the weakest link or you have two in Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan at times like you can see that teams are picking up on it and they're just going to pick on them over the course of a game and it doesn't matter how well Jair is playing or how well our safeties are playing if those two guys are are giving up big yardage or bad penalties and giving other teams opportunities to stay in the game. Yeah. Well said, well said. And you know, it's funny. You you mentioned half of the defensive backfield playing out of their freaking minds. The other half, well, definitely uh, that's where some of the pessimism comes in. I'm going to go to the offense though. And we, we talked about it briefly, the offensive line really having, I would say their first, questionable game of the season Aaron Rodgers sacked five times that marks a new season high the previous high was set all the way back in week six against Tampa Bay with four sacks so definitely not ideal uh my trending now will be Lucas Patrick at left guard now we've talked a lot about the versatility the flexibility of this offensive line Elton Jenkins you know he can play every freaking position under the sun it seems and he's been solid Andy mentioned it earlier though Uh, You do miss Corey Lindsley when you see Lucas Patrick struggling the way he did uh, on Saturday. And Aaron Rodgers going down five times. I can't be the only one, guys, that every time Aaron Rodgers gets hit, I just wince. I'm just scared uh, for what the result's going to be because uh, although the old man's got wheels and he ran one in, it's still scary when he gets hit. Uh, So Lucas Patrick at left guard is my trending down this week. That uh, almost horse collar tackle on Aaron Rodgers this week Mm -hmm. was like – yeah, that was like shivers down your spine scary for a second. And then thankfully he got up just fine. But there's been a couple of those moments this year. 100%. Every time it seems I'm like, oh, no, please be fine. And he, and he has been, thank God. But uh, definitely scary when you see number 12 hit the turf. All right. Uh, before we move to injury updates and uh, looking ahead, Andy, I saw a lot of talk surrounding some third and one off coverage. You, you're a football nerd. You know what that means. Break it down for me. What would you see? Yeah, so there was a lot of talk about this going on on Twitter because if you go and look, um, with about two minutes and 17 seconds left in the game, uh, the the Panthers are lined up on third and one, um, and the, the Packers are up by 11 at this point. And you look at the play, it's third and one, and Kevin King, and I believe it's Shannon Sullivan at first glance here, are playing way, way off the receivers. I mean, probably, let's see, two, four, six, eight, probably about 10 yards off uh, the wide receivers. So a lot of people are saying, all right, Mike Patton, what an idiot. It's third and one. Why are you have your guys 10 yards off the receiver? And to be fair, there have been times where we've seen this this season where it has not made sense. 
But in this particular situation, this makes all the sense in the world to be playing off in this situation. And I know the immediate reaction is third and one. Why are you giving up 10 yards? That's an easy completion and a first down. But in this situation and scenario, the down and the distance do not matter. And first of all, when you're thinking of third and one, what you're usually thinking of in terms of is like, all right, if we can stop them on this third down, they punt. But that's not the case here. They're down 11 with two minutes left. The down doesn't matter. They're going to if even if they don't get a yard here, they're going to go for it on fourth down anyway. So down and distance is completely irrelevant here. And every single situation is done with uh, basically the idea in mind of how does this help us win a football game? And allowing a first down here is, again, completely irrelevant to that overall cause. What you're trying to do in this particular situation is tackle them in bounds. If you can get to that two-minute warning without allowing points, basically what you've done is assured yourself that the very best-case scenario for the Panthers to win this game is going to include an onside kick. Like at, at the absolute worst for the Packers, even if they score a touchdown after that two-minute warning, it still is going to include an onside kick, which is like a 95% recovery at best. So you're looking at if, if you can get past that two-minute warning, tackle them in bounds. You're, you're golden because here's what Carolina would basically have to do the remainder of that drive in order to make them the winner of this game. They would then have to go. Uh, so let's say they complete that first down tackled in bounds goes to the two minute warning. They have to go 50 yards, score a touchdown, get the two point conversion, get an onside kick, go down the field, get in field goal range, make the field goal, get into overtime and then outplay the Packers in overtime. And if the Panthers do that at that point, tip your freaking cap and you say, you know what? We'll live to see another day. So you're, you're looking at this from a pure percentages standpoint, the down and distances don't matter. You're trying to tackle in bounds. The time and the score is what matters here. That is it. You are up double digits. Now, if this was a slightly different scenario where it's only a one score game, something like that, I can maybe understand a little bit more wanting to get up on those receivers, but this played out exactly how Green Bay wanted it to. They run an inside slant, Kevin King, Shannon Sullivan, and I believe it was Darnell Savage. Uh, don't quote me on that. All three converge. Actually, it might have been Kirksey. So there's three guys that converged on the receiver, and all three literally missed the tackle. He goes for 40 yards, gets out of bounds before the two-minute warning, which allows them to set up that field goal prior to the two-minute warning and keeping that time out. So the execution was terrible, but the idea, they got exactly what they wanted. The tackle there would have made it out of field goal range. They would have had to have gotten past the two-minute warning, and Carolina would have needed an onside kick just to be able to maybe tie up that game in regulation. So uh, I love the idea. I love the concept. It was the right move there on third and one. It it doesn't look great when you're looking at it in a still picture if you're not looking at it in full context. And again, the execution of the play was horrible, but it was the right move by Mike Patton in that situation. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Mike Pettin credit. Who would have thunk it?
I know. This is weird times in 2020. Weird times in 2020. We're coming to an end, though. This is our last episode altogether of the calendar year. I just realized that. So, wow, uh, it's flown by. Anyway, all right, let's dive into some injury updates. Three of them, really, uh, from the Green Bay side. The first one, Chris Barnes, an eye injury. I've never really heard that before. I could just you know, be out of the loop a little bit, uh, but not expected to be serious. Obviously, Andy, you said he's trending up, so that's a big thumbs up. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's trending up, and it sounds like he's going to be okay to play this week. It's not like he just got poked in the eye, and uh, he just had some vision issues. So they were kind of working through that and trying to get him back in the game. Uh, but just based on it, you know, just some blurry vision, they didn't feel comfortable with it. So uh, he sounds fine and going to be that's good to go scary. this week against Tennessee, which against, you know, Derrick Henry and company, that's a good thing. That's scary, though, man. An eye injury. That that was a new one to me. I've never hurt my eye, and I'm glad about that because that sounds horrible. Yeah, we'll see if he's wearing that visor moving forward. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Jamal Williams, a quad injury, but but everything I heard, I was working with this charity event uh, on Sunday afternoon. From his family, it sounded like he's going to be good to go, and, and like it says in our notes, not expected to be serious. Perry, you were talking about the game plan changed once he exited the game. Obviously, uh, again, a big thumbs up if Jamal Williams is good to go next week. Yeah, always. Always a, a good thumbs up with Jamal. I, I think that... You know, our one-two punch is very integral to this offense, and you see what he does when he's out there. They're two very different backs, him and Aaron Jones, but they're needed. And I think also just from a um, health and, like, longevity standpoint through the playoffs, like, you want both your backs healthy. You, you right. want them through the stretch, and you need both of them um, in order to make a, a deep playoff and Super Bowl push. So he's a tough guy. I, I never really expected it to be too too bad especially when he came back out in the second half he was holding his helmet he didn't come back in the game I don't think but you know he was there on the sidelines and I thought that was a good sign that is a good sign and you know we, you always need some J swag daddy dance moves because I think that gets you revved up for a big football game every Sunday uh real quick Perry though I, I know you mentioned AJ Dillon earlier in the show uh that one carry he had though pretty pretty sweet yeah, I was super pumped to see him out there, and then he disappeared again. I don't yeah. really know. He's he's this like weird elusive back that gets like one touch a game, and then they're like, okay, you're done. Um, I don't know what the deal is there, um, but I I would love to see more of him because when he was in there, he was making an impact. Yeah, and I don't have the box score in front of me, but one carry, I think it was something like 18 or 19 yards on that run. So uh, not a bad average against Carolina for the uh, for the second round pick, A.J. Dillon. Uh, the other injury for the Packers, Will Redmond, Andy in concussion protocol. What do you know? I know nothing more than that, Alex. Okay, but, fair enough. Uh, he's in concussion protocol, and uh, we'll see. That'll be one to keep an eye on right along with Jay Sternberger, who is also still in concussion protocol. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on the injury report with those two this week. Yeah, Jay Sternberger, as you mentioned, he, he was a scratch again this week against Carolina. A lot of hype around 87 coming into the season and uh, definitely been not the best season for Jay Sternberger. But luckily, uh, Robbie Tunyon has, has stepped up into that, uh, you know, maybe roll some predicted for Jay Sternberger this year. So definitely been a roller coaster ride with 87. It certainly has been. Certainly has been. All right, guys, let's wrap up. But before we do that, let's look ahead to next week the Packers play host to the Tennessee Titans who again laid 46 whopping points on the Detroit Lions on Sunday Andy we'll start with you we, we know the big headline of this one right it the goal for the Packers is to stop Derrick Henry a lot easier said than done what are you looking forward to next week yeah, I think the first big thing is that 
you know, the, the, this has been mostly a, you know, a fairly easy schedule for the Green Bay Packers this season. You, you never apologize for the wins and, and who's on your schedule, but it looks like unless Chicago squeaks in, that there's going to only be, you know, four playoff teams potentially um, on this on this schedule, including the Colts, the Saints, uh, the Buccaneers, and then the Tennessee Titans. They're one and two in those games so far. Tampa wasn't close. New Orleans, they won close. Um, and then the, the Colts game was a really close game that they lost in overtime. And then this is really their last opportunity to kind of get a really good test before going into the playoffs and seeing some of these really difficult teams. So I think this game comes at a perfect time. I think it really has an opportunity to expose any last weaknesses before you go uh, into the playoffs. And I think it has the opportunity uh, to kind of see how you match up against a team like this. So, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the the win against the Bears is is the most important. And of course, you want to win this game against the Titans, too. Uh, But I think this is an opportunity to stack up, see how you do against the run. Let's not forget. Nobody's forgetting that, you know, the 49ers probably didn't need to throw the ball in the NFC Championship game a season ago. They ran right through the Packers defense. How do you look against probably? the best running team in all of football and Derrick Henry. Can you stop them? Are there any lingering issues there that you kind of still need to work through? Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, uh, Corey Davis, you know, that wide receiver group, very, very, t- you know, talented as well and, and can get the job done, especially off of play action. So how does your defense hold up against that? You know, the, the Titans certainly have some players on defense, too, uh, that can make your life uh, a living nightmare. And, and you know, we talked about Brian Burns coming off the edge. Uh, Harold Landry hasn't had a great season, but he can do some of that exact same stuff that, that Brian Burns is capable of. So, you know, th- th- this is a really great opportunity to see how Green Bay matches up. Of course, you want the win. Of course, you want them to play well. Uh, but I, and in a way, I, I'm almost just more excited about the fact that Green Bay is going to get to see how they match up against one of these, you know, Titans of football, no pun intended, and and to see what they still need to work on going into the playoffs, uh, hopefully still having that first week by and getting to do some of the self scout before their division around game and, and trying to win three games in a row to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have said it better, Andy. I think this is, I've had this game scheduled on my calendar uh, for, for a while this season, just with the idea that, uh, you know, the Packers have played, they've had some gimmies, I guess you could say, this season, teams that you kind of knew weren't going to make the playoffs. And so you want to see the way the Packers go up against a team that is definitely going to make the playoffs. And while they're not in our conference, so they don't affect the seating, it is just like a nice litmus test. And yes, the whole narrative is around Derrick Henry, stopping Derrick Henry. But you mentioned it, Andy. They also have a great wide receiver core, and Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. And so there's more to focus on than just Derrick Henry, you know, while he is the focus. Um, you know, I think A.J. Brown is a receiver that's really come into his own this season. So it's just going to be a ni- nice to see what what this defense can do. Can they continue what they did against this Panthers offense next week? Because if they can, I think they can beat this team. Um, and if they can beat this team, you know, then I think you feel pretty good about what their chances are going to be like in the playoffs. Um, because you know, this is another sort of playoff contention, like very very good team, kind of like the. To me, this is kind of like a. Colts redo I know that they're very different teams but um, similar you know they're in the same division and and they I think have won one each this season so it would be nice to get a win against one of these teams 100% yeah to reiterate really both of your points this is a great end of season test really uh, great way to gauge where this team is at expose any uh, expose any issues really right before we head into the playoffs and again as Andy said 
the big win that the Packers need to get this year remaining is against the Bears in Week 17. So even if they slip up and lose this one, I think it'll be a great way to gauge where they're at. As much as we've made the Packers campaign this year about scoring, you know, that that 30 mark and above, the Titans have been the same way the last five weeks. Each of the last five weeks, they've scored a minimum of 30 points, and they've won four of those five. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on is that Titans offense is really starting to roll. And again, I should mention 46 against Detroit on Sunday. So definitely uh, stopping Derrick Henry, but seeing what this defense can do against a high-powered Tennessee offense all right perry give me give me some final thoughts we're feeling good a win's a win the packers 11 and 3 in first place in the nfc give us a motivational speech to start this week <laughs> uh i guess i just can't believe that this season is almost over it 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 felt like it's gone i think i say this every season but it felt like it's gone really fast and i i don't want to take away from the fact that it's been really special to have football and we've also had very very good football to watch it's been really fun during this quarantine time to, you know, turn my screen on and more often than not, the Packers are winning a game. And so no matter what happens in the playoffs, I think I'm pretty grateful for that. I'm grateful to be just a fan of this team. There's so many bad teams in this league. And um, I, I think that I feel better about our playoff chances than I have in a very long time. Um, And I, I, I don't. I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll find the words for it eventually. But it's just something about the the cohesion and the teamwork and just how much they believe in each other. That sounds really cliche. I'm sorry, uh, but you wanted something motivational and positive. Oh, so here I am. Uh, just this the 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 way that they mesh, the way that they all do their 111th. I, I just feel like they're really really set up this year. And if we can finally get an NFC championship game at Lambeau field. I think there is zero chances that Aaron Rodgers will personally allow that to slip through his fingertips. Um, So let's, Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I'm ready to run through a brick wall, Perry Goldstein. That's at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. Andy, I don't think you can top that, but any final thoughts? No, I'm not even going to try. That was perfect. Let's go. <laughs> let's go win a Super Bowl. I'm all in. Let's go win a Super Bowl. As of right now, the road runs through Green Bay and a week 17 win against Chicago solidifies that. So this is looking good for the green and gold. They get a 24 to 16 victory over the Carolina Panthers. On Saturday, the Packers now 11 and three. And again, they sit alone atop the NFC. That's what I love to say after week 15. Andy Herman, Perry Goldstein, I'm Alex Strove. Thanks so much for kicking it with us and starting your week with us. We're keeping the Packers coverage rolling every single day here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. So make sure you subscribe, rate five stars uh, wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.